Um, all right, so you can look on the liturgy there. The text in John is before you, and um, follow along. We uh, last Sunday I started a, a series called the Red Letters of John, meaning we're going to just hone in on what Jesus actually said as re- as it's recorded uh, in John, in particular, what he did. We're going to focus on that, shine a light on that, and and what he taught. Um, so. That's going to guide us through John, and we come to the next, really it's the same conversation that then spills over into the next town from last Sunday, and so this is Come and See Part 2. So um, if you will read, as follow along as, as I read, John 1, verses 43 through 51. The next day, Jesus wanted to go into Galilee, and he found Philip. Jesus said to him, Follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and the prophets, Jesus, Joseph's son from Nazareth. Nathanael responded, Can anything from Nazareth be good? Philip said, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, Here is a genuine Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, How do you know me? Jesus answered, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael replied, replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and and descending on the Son of Man. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for the stories of our lives that that you are compiling and gathering up. We believe in just something beautiful. You're going to use all the parts, every single part, good and bad. Give us that hope now. Help us to, to see you, Jesus, and to follow you so that we might receive this grace the unconditional acceptance that we're looking for. We want to be fully known and fully loved. Is that true? Is that possible? Would you show us through your power, Holy Spirit, no matter who we are, no matter where we come from, no no matter why we're here even, I pray you would do this work. In Jesus' name, amen. In Genesis 28, now some of you Bible scholars may may already know this, um, but in Genesis 28, it's actually being referenced here by Jesus. Heaven was opened. Way back in the Old Testament, there's this great story. This, uh, that, speaking of all the parts, good and bad of life, that's Jacob's life. And there's a story about Jacob there. Uh, Jacob was Abraham's grandson, Isaac's son, who had a twin, Esau, uh, was just ahead of him. <laughs> and uh, and 
Jacob uh, bribed Esau eventually, as this was prophesied that this would, it would go like this, their life together. Jacob bribes Esau later on in life into selling him his birthright as the oldest son, but selling it to Jacob. And that birthright was the land of Abraham, Canaan. Later, before Isaac died, it, you know, Jacob was a scoundrel. <laughs> um, the, the people in the Bible that you find, it's, you see everything well, that exists in people, and, and they're on display. And guess what? It's the so-called heroes of Scripture. They're just like you and me, very earthy, uh, messed up, very unhealthy, very a mixture, broken and beautiful. Jacob certainly is that. And later on in life, um, Rebecca, his mom, you know, Jacob's clearly her favorite. And she, uh, at the end of Isaac's life, he's about to die. She gets wind that, that Isaac is going to give Esau this blessing, this covenant blessing. And so Rebecca concocts a plan for her son, her beloved son, Jacob, to lie and steal now this blessing from his older, his poor older brother. And Jacob, being the scoundrel that he was, embraced this lie and pulled it off rather skillfully, because that's who he was. So Esau, after having his blessing that his father was going to give to him ripped away from him, he wants vengeance, and he sets out to uh, take vengeance, take matters into his own hand. Rebecca also gets wind of this and concocts another plan for Jacob's escape, and so he's on the run. And so here he is. Jacob is fleeing his brother who's trying to kill him. He's in the wilderness. Th- this is not um, the the pilgrim, let's say that uh, that some like like the or the pilgrimage, Jimmy, that you took recently in Spain, right? Um, which I can never remember. This led the sacred pilgrimage. What was it again? The El Camino, yeah. And we and then a few of us, not us, but a few of y'all are going to do this in the summer too. This is not that. The, Jacob is not um, on a sacred pilgrimage. He is on the run for his life, having done something very wicked, and yet <laughs> it's. At this very moment, he has a dream. And in this dream, he sees a ladder or or stairway, if you will, that reached heaven. And it says exactly what Jesus just said, almost. Angels of God were ascending and descending on this ladder. And then God is in this dream. And this vision is manifested before Jacob, Genesis 28 Chronicles, and promises Jacob the land, sure enough, he's with it, that became Canaan, pledging, in fact, God pledging to, to Jacob that, he would, that God would stay with him and protect him forever. Once again, proving that, that our performance is not a precondition for God's love. Praise God. We see, this, we see this time and time again in the story of Scripture. So Jacob wakes up from this dream, and he finally, he finally gets spiritual all of a sudden, and he says, God is in this place, truly, and I didn't even know it, is what the text says. 
And then Jacob, it says, terrified, utters, this place is God's house. This place where you have this vision is God's house. He says, this is the gate of heaven, and it will be called Bethel from now on, which means house of God. So after this vision, this dream, he goes on the journey that he was on, continues to flee his brother, vowing, get this, vowing that if God, now just seeing God wasn't enough. Uh, if God actually fulfills this promise that he just miraculously, mystically, you know, was manifested before him, if God does this, it says, well, then he will be my God. This God will be my God. Welcome to the father of our faith, <laughs> Jacob. Um, well, grandson of the father of our faith. And in, in that place, in Bethel, he sets up this memorial stone, this pillar to mark this event as the place where God lives, there at Bethel. But, but what have we learned about God and the kingdom and the church? It's not a building or a place, is it? First, it's a person. It's a person. God will later tell Jacob to go back to, to Bethel, where, where God reiterates his promise and his blessing that he gave him at this very place. And he's, to, to sort of commemorate that, he changes Jacob's name from Jacob to Israel. And this is where the name Israel comes from. So this person, a mixture, a beautiful mess, a hot mess, a mixture of beauty and brokenness named Jacob becomes Israel symbolic, he himself in his person is symbolic for the whole people of God. The kingdom of God in a person. That's what Origen, the early church father, um, many, many centuries ago said about Jesus. Here's why he said that about Jesus, because all Jacob is, or Israel, he, it's just a, a reflection of this one that was coming that is now here in this realm, in flesh and blood, Jesus of Nazareth, the kingdom of God in a person. Did you, did you hear Jesus in, in verse 51? He, he's conjuring up Genesis 28. Oh, he tells Nathaniel, you, you thought it was um, amazing that I knew what you were doing under that tree like some day last week. Whatever was going on there, that was important to Nathaniel. Whatever, we don't know what Nathaniel was doing under that tree, but it got his attention. Jesus says, you think that was something? Oh, you're going to see greater things than this. You're going to see the heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on a ladder? No, on the Son of Man. Here's the, the main teaching today. Um, that son of man is, is Jesus' favorite title for himself in all four Gospels. Main teaching is this. Jesus is the ladder. Jesus is the gate to heaven in a person embodied. It's Jesus. The whole Bible is about Jesus. This is a good example of that. So there, there is a stairway to heaven. Led Zeppelin was right. There is a stairway to heaven, but it's not bought, like their song suggests. And you won't climb it, 
It actually comes to you. It's a ladder that comes to us. And it is absolutely free. It's absolutely free. Or like Belinda Carlisle saying, Ooh, baby, do you know what that's worth? Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. They say in heaven, love comes first. Who made heaven a place on earth? Sing it! <laughs> that's a good song. I was listening to that again this, this weekend. And, ah, but, 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 but Belinda, heaven is not a building or a place. But a, pe- a person first, this person that is embodied in the people of God. So two things. We're going to look at these two headings. Follow me and greater things. Follow me. Uh, if you were to, and I actually want us to ask this question as we go through John. It's a question that a lot of American Christians uh, might have a ready answer for. I'm not sure it would be Jesus' answer. Here's the question. What's the gospel, Jesus? If you were to ask Jesus that question, if you were to, if you were to just be manifested here, I mean, he's here, he's here, but physically manifested so we could see him, and you were to say, hey, hey, Jesus, um, what's the gospel? What do you think you would say? You don't, have, you don't have to respond. You can if you want. Yes! Man, y'all, y'all listen. God, this is awesome. That's exactly, yeah, yes, the Spirit told you that, Bob. That, I, that you know, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to, like, have you respond because I figured you'd probably give the wrong answers. But that's the right answer. Yeah. Hey, Jesus, what's the gospel? What would you say, Bob? I am the gospel. Right. Yeah. Did, did you, are you aware that he's not the gospel, Kathy? Okay. All right. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's, that's a good thing. Um, that's exactly what I think he would say, which is why every time we see Jesus, he just goes, he, he doesn't articulate the gospel. He doesn't say, if you were to die tonight and stand before the judge, where do you think you would go? What would he say? He doesn't say any of that stuff. He doesn't, he doesn't offer a plan, a formula, doesn't even offer an inv- doesn't give an invitation to, to consider and ponder. He just says, follow me. Just, just follow me. Jesus is salvation. Embodied. Jesus is the kingdom in a person, as Origen said. And angels, the angels of God descend and ascend on him. If you follow Jesus, you will see that. As N.T. Wright says, you may not see the actual angels. Maybe you will, but you will see the effects. You will know that's what's happening. Brian Zahn says, salvation is not a plan, but a person. And, that, and see, that's what the American church needs to hear. Um, that has maybe been, been lost somewhat. Um, and... There's, there's no, like, some of us might be used to, like, a, another type of plan that involves words like justification by faith or, or not guilty. I don't see any of that. I don't think Jesus would have said any of those things. That, now, now, the Reformers would have in the 16th century, but way before that, Jesus would have just said, follow me.
What's the gospel? <laughs> the gospel has come and I am he. That's what he would say. Follow me. Um, I think. I think that's what we say. Secondly, greater things. Greater things. You see, as we follow Jesus, this person, yes, he, he's invisible. I, I, I know that. And, which means we, we have to put on another, uh, we have to apprehend reality in a different way than we're used to. That involves weird things like prayer and contemplation and the sacraments, these otherworldly things. But as we follow, particularly the teaching of Jesus, the way of Jesus, we will see greater things. Um, We will see heaven, the kingdom itself, because it has come. Philip here, um, did you get, he's now the one telling people to come and see. How, How about that? Uh, that, that's what we need to start doing, you know, uh, and, and invite him to church. Yes. Yeah. Let's reclaim. It's okay to do that. Um, it, it, that is, if you're experiencing anything that's decent here, uh, don't no obligation here. Uh, um, but if, if you like what's happening here, like Philip, just, just tell our friends, come and see, um, they don't have to come to this space or this time of the week. Although I do think, as you've heard me say, I, I, I do think more and more that what happens here when we are gathered together is the most mystical, magical experience that we will have all week long. But you got to be here in order to experience that. It's true. So, so, so Philip says, uh, come and see. As Nathaniel, his buddy's like, what good, what good thing can come from Nazareth? He doesn't give an answer. He says, you're going to have to come and see. You're going to have to taste of the cake yourself. So upon hearing that uh, the one that Nathaniel is looking for, actually, is from Nazareth, verse 46, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Um, okay, so this would be like Inca Stinka, right, here in Asheville, which I guess is not going to smell anymore. Now, unfortunately, that plant is, is now no, no more. But uh, my kids always, you know, once we get west of Asheville, we smell that smell. And poor Inca, this is a community for don't live in Asheville, west of here, uh, that stinks. And um, and so there's kind of a whole reputation around that. I mean, kids at my kids' high school and other high schools called kids that they call Inca High, Inca Stinka. Nazareth is kind of like that, all right? Or um, my friend Kyle Wells is here. Uh, he and I grew up in Memphis. It's kind of like Memphis, isn't it, Kyle? I mean, Memphis has a bad reputation. It's called the, the Detroit of the South. Um, most folks don't vacation there uh, like they do in Asheville. This is the first town we've lived in of many that is actually a destination location. People want to come here, not necessarily to see us, but they want to come here, and so we get to see them. Memphis, not so much. Um, Memphis and Inca are precisely the kinds of places, though, that this king would come from. Exactly the kinds of places that this king and this kingdom would be birthed in. It's, it's gritty. It's very earthy. I mean, think of Jesus, God, taking on flesh. You talk, talk about giving up someone's privilege? How about giving up the privilege of deity to squeeze into our flesh and blood to come to this place called earth 
That's what Philippians 2 says. He gave up the, all the privilege of deity. And then not only that, but he comes to specifically to these kind of armpit places. Sorry, Patty, but Columbia is one of those two. Columbia, South Carolina. Um, precisely the kind of place. It's hot, lots of concrete. There's no wind somehow ever. And there's always construction. He would come to that very place. So he doesn't even take on the seeming privilege of this world, but, but is found among the parts of human society that, like Philip, people would say, can anything good come from that, from there? If Okay, here's the thing. This is also the effects of the gospel. It's an upside-down gospel, as you've heard Kara and others say. People that come from places that are not privileged tend to get this first. But friends, once you get this, you will see greater things. You will see greater things. Once you get that God did not consider equality, that the son not considering equality with the father was something to, to cling, to hang on to, but gave up even the, de- even the privilege that comes with deity. He did not give up his deity, but he gave up all the privilege that would come with it. Man, that's... Once you see that, and once you also understand your own need and need for healing, that becomes great. You'll see greater things than that, too, as you follow that way. So Jesus' response to Nathaniel, isn't it great? So he, he I mean, Nathaniel is just totally, like, uh, seemingly offended Jesus, calling the place where he comes from Inca Stinka. And Jesus' response, here comes a holy man. That's what he's saying. Here comes a man with no guile, no deceit, nothing artificial, nothing inauthentic. He's honest. He's real. He's the real deal, he might say. He's, he's earthy. And friends, that is what holiness looks like. I'm not saying that, that we're brutally honest to the point of hurting someone. You don't need to say everything. But, but you see, hopefully you, you catch the the balance here. It, church should be the one, I mean, just like our recovery groups going through the 12 steps, should be the one place where it is okay to, to put down the mask, to just be yourself. That is what holiness looks like. And that's why Jesus says to Nathaniel, here comes a holy man, actually. Now, Nathaniel continues being Nathaniel. He goes, how do you know me? <laughs> and Jesus says, I saw you. Probably not, it's probably not this moment. It's like probably, maybe even be another day earlier in the week or earlier, another time earlier this day. Jesus spells out something that happened that only Nathaniel thought he knew. And so he's like, you know, kind of like doubting Thomas later on, my Lord and my God. But you notice how he finds Jesus safe knowing these things. He's not afraid. He comes in. He's drawn closer. He says, I want to follow this guy. And so it's right then and there that right then and there is when Nathaniel goes through the gate of heaven. Jennifer and I um, watched the movie Air this past weekend. Have y'all seen that yet? I'm wearing my Michael Jordan shirt. It's actually not a Michael Jordan shirt. Y'all should look closer at my, my pandemic pal here that won't go away. 
Jordan's got a little pandemic power. This, this is a fat dude. This is like the symbol for, for Nike Air Jordans. But he's fat. He's holding a burger and a beer. And this is fat, F-A-T-R, Fellowship at the River. This is, we just celebrated our 20th, 23rd uh, trip that's used to be a weekend now. It's almost a week um, with my college friends. And this was our T-shirt this year. But I, I'm going to talk about Jordan, so I wanted to wear, um, I don't have a Bulls jersey. I, I should get one. But we watched, so this movie, is, it really is about Nike. You, you don't even see the person playing Jordan. Uh, you don't see his face at, at all. You hear him briefly. It's really about Nike and the phenomenon that was this shoe, <laughs> the Air Jordan, that is still so popular and getting more popular. Um, now, it's a great movie. It, this really happened. This, there, no, there are no spoilers here, but I'm, I'm a, it'll just make it even better when you watch it if you haven't watched it. Um, but you may know the story. And what this movie chronicles is all the other shoe companies. Now, at this time, it was a big deal for the, the, the high draft picks to sign with a, a company to have a, a shoe. Um, but before Jordan, all the shoe companies created a shoe first. And then they had the athlete wear that shoe, whoever he was, as just an emblem, really, of uh, Adidas or um, Converse. And so, really, it was, it was the athlete was just, an, as, as they say in the movie, just an emblem of the corporation. didn't really matter who it was. What Sonny Vaccaro and, and Nike did that was revolutionary was they find the person before they make the shoe. They find the right person first from right here in Wilmington, North Carolina. No doubt the goat. If you come at me with LeBron James, even being in the discussion, I will rebuke you. (laughs) Amen? Can I get an amen? Yes. Everyone else is just vying for second. There is only one goat. There will only ever be one goat, in my opinion. Michael Jordan comes along. Sonny Vaccaro sees the genius in Jordan, and they do what's never been done before among shoe companies. They create a shoe around him. That's the genius. What makes this shoe so special is Michael Jordan puts his foot into it. There's this this dramatic board scene, and um, they're trying to convince the Jordans. Viola Davis plays Michael's mom, and um, whoever played his dad is spitting image of James Jordan. I don't know who that was, but, uh, they're trying to convince the Jordans to, to sign with Nike and, and, um, Matt Damon's character who plays Sonny Vaccaro says, we need you looking at Michael Jordan, looking at it intently. We need you in these shoes, not so you have meaning in your life, but so we'll have meaning in ours. Okay. This is the God, the gospel is about to come in through Michael Jordan, right? Who is a transcendent figure. I hope he knows that. The, he, he would be much better off if he just knows he's a vessel of something much bigger than him. I don't know that he knows that yet, I hope. But we put our foot, back to the Jordans, we put our foot in there so we might be like Mike. You remember that commercial? That's, that's why we do it. It's, it's, the shoe is almost insignificant, what it looks like, although it's a cool-looking shoe. It's really about this person, the right person, the, the whole corporation is embodied in this person. 
who then changes and transforms the corporation and transforms everyone, we think, that puts their foot into that shoe. The right person is the key. Puts his or her foot into the shoe and transforms the shoe and everyone who wears it. So here's the gospel. Jesus comes down, as it were. It's not really spatially down, but it comes into this space in flesh and blood, puts on our skin. And you know what that does? Transforms us. All of us. Transforms humanity. And man, we needed that. This is the gospel. It's good, it's good news because we needed to be transformed. We had forgotten our first home as, as human beings. We'd forgotten our first love. And unless you follow Jesus, we're still living with this amnesia, I'm afraid. But we feel the ache inside of us that's calling for this person who has done all the work. We needed Jesus to come into our space and into our skin, into our flesh and blood, not so that he will have meaning in his life so much, but so that we will have our meaning returned to us. He did. That's exactly what he did. And now we do. We have our meaning We can realize, friends, who we always were, emblems of divinity, even better, reflections, the very image of God. That is realized and in that way restored as we follow this person. Come and see. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, through your power, Holy Spirit, I pray we would um, just follow. We, we may, uh, I mean, my faith is weak. It's so weak. Most of the time. But even with that weak faith, if we would just leap to this person, I do believe we would see that he is the ladder. He is the stairway. He's the gate to heaven in this person. May we look to this person for that, and may we follow this person. And in, and in wearing Christ, may we discover who we really are. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.